I'm your host, Adam Kasil Buchanan, and this podcast is brought to you by BriefBid, a platform for agencies and brands to discover new media strategies and plan advertising spend. Let's get started. So today I have with me Charles. Charles, how did you get here? Well, Adam, uh, just to give you some ideas, I mean, I walked upstairs, sat down here on uh, my chair, and uh, we set it up on a computer. That's uh, I like it. Literal, very literal. Exactly. No, uh, Charles, why don't you uh, give us, uh, you know, give our listeners uh, a background on, you know, who you are, where you come from. Uh, yeah. So my background, uh, just a little early on, I was. Uh, I, well, in school, I, I studied computer science uh, and uh, went on and, and did a lot of internships in, in pretty cool startups, well, mostly big companies, and also helped with some startups with their with their um, projects. And uh, that got me really hooked into very early stage companies. Uh, difference between corporate and startups are very huge difference and i'd say i'd prefer startups and uh, i guess most people would call me a serial serial entrepreneur this is my i guess third startup now that i'm going to be doing um and i'd say i'm having a blast so far amazing wow that's i i mean i feel you on the uh the difference between startup life and uh corporate life so i guess i gotta ask like what was uh what was your first startup uh, so early on, uh, when I started uh, in school, my first startup, well, I had multiple projects that I was trying to figure out how to make money. So the first few ones were a service-based business, meaning to say I uh, tried to just make money off of uh, creating apps for people. Uh, and then I employed some of my classmates to see how that went. It was pretty tough because like we were still doing projects in school and then now we're trying to get paid to do it. Uh, so that was a eye opening for me that I did not want to do apps for people, like multiple companies. Uh, I realized it's better to have a, 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 a systematized process that you can create in a software because that scales well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next startup I had was uh, a, a platform for students and graduates called Unit Jobs, and um, that you know started in as as, as as just a simple landing page and got people to sign up uh, just by posting to so many Facebook groups and just like blasting to so many different places we thought like students would be interested in. Uh, that got maybe within a few days about two hundred to three hundred signups. So. That was, uh, I'd say, the start of the first company that I, I made uh, that is a software base. So then, was it, as you said, platform, was it like a, like a marketplace? or It, was it, it is definitely a marketplace. Yeah. Um, so as soon as we got 300 to 200, somewhere in between that, 200, 300 students, uh, we got confident into building the software. Um, we started figuring out, okay, well, we have a lot of these students, so now how do we get employers? Uh, so instead of going to class, I actually tried to learn marketing on my own, trying to understand how the, all that side worked. Um, and first thing I did was I started emailing uh, small companies around the area saying we have a lot of students here. I even went inside some of the 
the nearby uh, businesses saying, hey, for uh, for $20, come and uh, post a job here. And some of them told me, like, what's the point of this? Instead of why not go to the job board of the school? Well, I told them there's more students in just one school. You can hire multiple students in different schools, such as like UFT. Um, you know, there's people from Waterloo that signed up. So I thought that was like the differentiator that we had in the platform. Yeah. Ag- aggregate, uh, aggregate your supply, I guess. Right. That's you, right. Aggregate your supply. What, uh, I mean, did marketplace startups. So what do I build first supply or demand? How did you get that supply? Well, like what, what was your marketing? You said you were like, I was just trying marketing out. Like what, what did you do to like get the students even interested? Uh, so <laughs> there's a few ones that worked well. The Facebook groups were very helpful. Um, we, once we got some employers in, we started posting the jobs into these groups. So that got more, uh, signups. Um, we also made it so that people can apply to the job right away in that job link. So that was easier for people to not only apply to the job, but also sign up. Uh, we also made it so that um, on on the on the employer side, what was interesting is that we just made it very clear to employers that there's many students in the platform. And it also helped that other uh, people promoted us like schools actually did promote us saying there's a startup that it's helping students out. So that helped in a lot of different ways. Um, I'd say the most interesting part is I at first made it free and then converted it to like, let's pay $20 to see if people are going to pay for this. Mm-hmm. And then I went up and down the prices of like, would people pay a hundred dollars? Definitely smaller companies didn't want to pay a hundred dollars. Um, but the bigger companies, that reached out to us was because of the the uh, I'd say the news that came out. So we were in Toronto Guardian uh, blog uh, blog which is the famous one. Yeah, that was that was huge. Like within I think a day, we had I don't recall the specific figure. Maybe around five thousand to like in between seven thousand signups in one day, if I recall. Yeah, it was ridiculous. That so that ridiculous. really gave us confidence to go further. Yeah. My only lame claim to fame by being featured on BlogTO is that my uh, photo of me and my friends is the picture that they use for drinking in parks every summer when, when new drinking in parks legislation is getting tabled for the city of Toronto. They just reuse a photo that I'm in. So... You are a much more impressive uh, insert into the Block TO (laughs) history and annals of their history. Um, I got to ask, though, because of so you had you had this marketplace, but I'm seeing you're wearing a tiny mile sweatshirt. What what's uh, what's the story there? Right. So after uh, I decided to do something else with the startup, um, had a small acquisition on that one uh, for the data in the platform. Uh, ended up trying to figure out like, do I really want to continue with Univ Jobs, which is the, the startup I built uh, early on. And now was the thought I had was like, I want to go further with bleeding edge technology because some of the co-ops I had was always about new technology. 
from blockchain to um, like new devices uh, that are hardware devices coming out. So I was like, well, I think I'd like to go further in that direction. And before I decided to go to San Francisco, I met this person from Uber ATG, Uber Autonomous Group, computer scientist, uh, and Ignacio. Basically, he he said like he was building this robot, which is this little guy right here. Um, and I thought it was really cool because uh, like I wanted to go to San Francisco for bleeding edge technology because i thought it was there but then it was like well this person in toronto was telling me like they were building robots i joined the project when there was no company so i thought it was really cool that there was this robot i wanted to understand it so it helped build some of the early versions uh and then we came to a decision that we should figure out if people actually want to try this out so I decided, okay, well, let me go and grab a controller connected to the robot and go around the city of Toronto and act as a courier. So I signed up as an Uber Eats courier and went around grabbing orders. In the beginning, you have this like pink robot going around and I was behind it all the time. So I decided, okay, well, let's see. How do I get restaurants to go in and put the food? So I started like figuring out the, 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 the messages. And at the 50th time I figured out, like there's a specific way that they will say yes and it'll go out to put the food in the robot. And so I, once that happened, we also start to uh, increase the distance so that it looks like there's no one there. And that, that got us a lot of Instagram reshares. It just went viral. And that's how in, investors start to get interest as well. Like these guys are actually doing deliveries. And that's how we got like our first few funding was because like it was just like people knew there was a robot out in the city. So Tiny Mile is basically doing delivery robots as of today in downtown Toronto. Uh, yeah, it was like the inception of the company, I'd say. That's how I remember it. That's great. Now, I mean, the science fiction enthusiast in me is asking, do, do these robots abide by Asimov's rules of robotics? Like, do they, is their first do no harm to people? Like what, how do you prototype that? Like, what do you even? Right. So for people who are looking into robotics, I'd say the quickest way to prototype something is using wood. So we use the shell of the robot as even today, uh, it's still using wood, moving on to something else. But uh, that was the version. We were trying to figure out where to put the electronics around which one was perfect to put in because sometimes the vibration in the city in the, in the pavement, it would mess up the internals. So mm -hmm. wood was the best approach we took and that got us very far. Um, yeah, it was ridiculous. So any mechatronics enthusiasts out there, take note. Start with trees, then move on to other material sciences. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. That is crazy cool. You built a robot. Alright, Charles, today on You Ate What, we're gonna be trying one of my favorites. Brown Gold, the delicious Atlas Coffee Club. 
Nice. Mystery box. I mean, I think I have, I have one from. Uh, actually, I don't know where this one is from. We're Exciting. gonna try it. Which uh, which one do you have? I have. Oh, and I have Nicaragua. Actually, I have something from India. Uh, Tamil Nadu. Of course. And one from Nicaragua as well. Same as yours. All right. And definitely a mystery box. I don't know what's in here. You, you came you came fully loaded. Apparently, you were patronizing Atlas Coffee uh, double the amount that I am. I, I see you're, you two are a coffee addict. All right. Well, I mean, as as they say, down the hatch. Uh, I'm starting with Nicaragua. I don't know what you're uh, starting Let's with. go with both. Let's see the difference. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. It's good. It has a lighter taste to it. Get the... It is very light. Get the, get the ASMR in there. That's true. Right? It's the brown stuff that kids go for, right? It's coffee. What else can you taste? It's nutty, I think. Good legs. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good rich opaque hue. Yeah. So this one came like from that. the land of volcanoes. Okay. I guess that's where you get right. the nutty taste. So it's got an explosive flavor. Erupting with goodness. Are any of these taglines working it, for you, Atlas Coffee Club, for your next advertising campaign? It. Yeah. All right. Okay, million dollars. If you had a million dollars for a marketing campaign, how are you marketing this? So here's what I thought would be interesting and not as crazy, but I'd say it's doable and crazy enough. I would start start a coffee club, just like Atlas Club, but like literal coffee club in every city and town and try to recreate a cult-like experience in the coffee club. I Like a... Like a book club for coffee? Yes, exactly. So every week or every month, like they would do this, review coffees and talk about it and, you know, see what happens in that, that coffee club. And then they would write about it if they can or like view it with other people, recreate that in every city, give them a budget for every single club. This, this is like a wine club. Yeah, then. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like this is oh this this is my breakfast coffee. Uh, the, oh this over here. Oh, this is my after lunch coffee. Oh, and this dessert coffee pairs very well with a lemon gelato. Like, I dig it. Oh, I like that because I mean I know an espresso after a long dinner and dessert is exactly what I'm looking for. Do you um how many how many uh coffee shots do you take per day? What, what's my uh, what's my order? What's my Starbase yeah. order? What is it? Um, ooh, I am I'm a sucker for like a classic double americano, just because I love the song to follow americano. But I if I'm I'm feeling like just my regular day to day, and I uh, I face a lot of criticism for this. I'll go uh, dirty cup of mud. Give me the brew. You know what's been sitting there for a few hours. Like really, just give me that <laughs> stuff. What's at the bottom of that pot over there? Yeah, I'll have I mean, some of that. 
Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of friends. Yes. <laughs> How about you? I'm I'm a foul human being. How about uh, yourself? So I would just take dark coffee shots. Uh, lately, it's been usually take two coffee shots in the morning, and that's it. Then after, I start to have one or two in the afternoon, and then if I want to, I get maybe around five in the evening. I'm not sure if that's healthy, but lately that's what's been happening. Uh, Just the the coder's lifestyle, the programmer's, you know, drink yeah, of choice. Uh, but I take a nap in the afternoon or around at uh, around five. But before I take the nap, I take a shot. So it's like a coffee, of course, coffee nap. I guess that's what they call it. Da Vinci took naps. I mean, look what he did. Cur- the ornithopter, <laughs> I think. So I, I think that's been helpful for me. Maybe I'll create something like some, as close to Da Vinci's work of art. Right. Do you, so then do you are you like um are you like a, a coffee then get things done kind of guy or are you like a coffee wait to kick in then get things done kind of Usually guy? Usually I'll wait for something to kick in. Yeah, you wait for kick in. Yeah. Cuz me I think it's just an oral fixation. I'm just like, "Oh, coffee. That means work happen." Like that's you know much much different than like oh I feel the caffeine effects I don't think I felt caffeine effects in years. <laughs> have you have you tailored off? And then um, I've I've tried to do the the, the taper uh, doctor recommended of course but uh, I always uh, I I like to say I successfully fail in the attempt every time I try. Yeah, I think for me it's much easier to taper off if I really want to. I don't have a crash. I mean at least. I haven't gone to this length of maybe taking four to five shots per day. So maybe it'll be different this time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, Atlas Coffee, if we can learn anything, new tagline, all the coffee without the Mm. crash. I don't know how true that is, though. Guys, I'm going to open this up because I love I love receiving my. uh, my Atlas Coffee Club subscription, and for just for those just listening, I'm opening the box. I'll do the same thing. Let's do this. I like that. It's a good, good, good box pop. Brand new. Hear that sound? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we have uh, we have the India package. Vibrant, colorful. I have, ooh, I have a Costa Rica. So anybody has seen this? Costa Rica. It's very colorful. Yeah, the Indian one. Did you get? Did you get the postcard? I did. Let's see. So Costa Rica chiripo, and it's good to have oat milk with this butter and graham cracker. And as well as if you wanna, it's best yeah. to take it or to to use drip machine out of this. Yeah, fascinating. They include an entire tasting card, coffee history in India, the subregion that it's from, as well as yeah, how to prepare it, the tasting notes, and what roast level it's at. Atlas Coffee Club, you're just nailing it with this. Plus, I'm a huge stationary fan. This is good. This is helpful because I would not know what's best for 
<laughs> what coffee to pair it with and what machine to use. Now, I don't have a lot of machines, but I can see that there's a lot of people who would like to know what's best to use for each coffee grind. And um, yeah, I mean, this, this lends your lens greatness to your, your wine club. Yeah, idea. like it's you know, I, I know what to pair it with. This is this is just, you know, Atlas Coffee Club, the coffee for brunch. I can imagine you the coffee club would each person would bring their own machine or who, like per per week. They'll have the machine in different coffee grinds and like, here is the best one that tastes for this coffee grind. And they would just like, like a mechanical potluck. Yeah. One guy with the air press, and the other other lady with the French press, and the other lady with some sort of German contraption that probably mows your lawn and makes your coffee. That would be, yeah, I think that's doable, right? And then you would have companies. With that, like, since I have the million dollar budget, I give them the free samples. Like, here, try this out. Oh, by the way, we have uh, more at the back if you want. Yeah. Hand grinders, you know. Yeah, we yeah. got coffee technology is some of mm. the coolest. I can see actually that work. I can see it, and I'm actually tasting now the uh -oh. Atlas Coffee Club. Look out! You have you have another <laughs> a convert. Uh, I'm tasting the Costa Rica one. It's a latte. Dive into the yeah. Costa Rica. Oh, you got a lot. Your uh, your barista is far better than mine, because mine is just me. <laughs> I got a helper at the back. If anybody is, <laughs> yeah. You have a helper. <laughs> it's key. And uh, Charles is now drinking the latte. Well, this has oat milk. Doesn't have butter, but I would say it tastes way better. So I would. I'm sorry. Doesn't have butter. Does doesn't. It, it does. That was a as in you prefer with with the. Butter? I've actually tried for for someone. Have you tried the cough the the one? Um, it's like bulletproof coffee. I I have I have been offered bulletproof coffee. I've actually never indulged, so I can only judge ignorantly. I've tasted. I've I've done the bulletproof coffee and put butter in it. Uh, the G butters. I would recommend trying it out. Uh, it's, I feel much more energetic every single time I drink it. Well, it's I feel bulletproof. I, I mean, <laughs> you, oh, <laughs> Atlas Coffee Club new bulletproof coffee it, yeah. release. Comes wrapped in a zinc jacket. <laughs> All right, that I will raise a glass to that then to to Atlas Coffee Club, mm. the the champagne of coffees. How does yours taste? Or what are you testing out right now? I'm doing the India. It's um, it's like it's it's like dry. It's like a like a but not like like dry like wine. It's got a weird. Good. It's like a mouthfeel to it is lovely, and I can't place what the flavor is. Does it feel like when you're drinking whiskey, like or dry rum, I suppose, or like a dry wine, yeah. like a you know, like a like a Merlot? Mm. 
Let me see. Mine, I, I, let me put more uh, emphasis on this when I drink it. This one is more nuttier than the, the last one I tasted, which is um, the Nicaragua one. Yeah, and it's medium roast. I can taste, like, it's like I put nuts in there. That's what it tastes like. like more almond, almond tastes like. Charles, programmer, entrepreneur, coffee connoisseur. I've always wanted to try and learning how to make artisan coffee. Maybe try, you know, a couple weekends of working at a local coffee place and see if they could teach me a few. And then I'll be there and you guys come in and I make some. Yeah, got to learn by getting the dirt mm -hmm. under your fingernails, right? I really like this. This is... So anybody who wants a recommendation, I'd say Costa Rica would be good. I have to throw my recommendation out to the Nicaraguan. That's a, mm. that's a good cup of joe. So Charles, you're a serial entrepreneur. You've done a lot from robots to marketplaces. Uh, any listener can only assume that the next endeavor is building a rocket and literally going to Venus. What are you working on now? Well, Elon Musk is going to Mars. I'm going, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so the next thing I thought of that is way bigger market is for people who haven't heard, uh, live commerce or social commerce was huge in China. Um, over 121 billion GMV was uh, made in 2020. Uh, so I thought maybe live commerce was something, live social commerce would be something that could be tried in North America. For somebody who doesn't know, uh, live commerce is when you go in a live stream and you sell something and people can buy in a video. Um, probably you're wondering like what well, TikTok is sort of doing this with Instagram live or uh, Facebook live. But the difference is that these people were doing in China is that in the video, you can buy conveniently that item, not take you through four to five steps, Instagram seven steps to buy something into these uh, platforms. Whereas China had like this down for, you know, maybe one click and then you can buy something. So that's where I'm looking at, and uh, the company that I'm uh, that I made is called Buji Buji.tv. So our segment right now is the artisans and artists. Uh, it's a marketplace, uh, but it's definitely e-commerce related. Um, so we're still starting out, and kind of makes sense to start with the beauty segment and, and fashion. But I thought like. Maybe there's another market here that nobody will be looking at. And that was the artisan artists. Uh, actually, last week we made out of uh, we made our first live stream event just using a, a Discord. And we made the uh, made five dollars out of a hundred dollars transaction. So that was like our first live stream event. Um, we didn't know what would happen. And that was just like our first one. So it's pretty exciting that we made money right away uh, in the events. Uh, and, and there's no plot. I haven't built software yet. So <laughs> for anybody who was right away, I thought like I'd want to build some software, get it out and use it. But then we're like, 
Well, actually, let's learn. I've learned enough to like maybe try it out without the software and use like glue, glue things together to see if I can make money out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked. So we're going to continue doing that while I continue building, uh, try building some software on the side. Wow. So you're just incredibly proficient at rubbing two nickels together and then somehow money comes out on the other end. Congratulations. Please Thanks. teach everyone your ways. Um, is that is that like the ultimate monetization goal though? Like direct direct transaction through the interface? Like how, how are you planning on monetizing this thing? Right. So the monetization is, uh, I call it a success fee. So every time you make a transaction in the platform, we take a cut out of it. And it's completely free to use because uh, what I've learned is that most people want to at least try out the software or whatever tool you're, you're selling to them. And there's a sunk cost feeling if they're not getting any value out of it, if they're willing to, if they're going to pay right away. So, so what we wanted to do was like, well, let's deliver value right away. Uh, and if they use it and they, they succeeded in, in uh, doing a transaction platform, they will we'll take a cut. Um, so far, most people are okay with that idea, uh, the way we phrased it. And I'd say do the same thing if you can. Um, I've learned enough, like, yeah, you could do it for free at the beginning, but like at least you're, you're learning at the same time. You want to push people to say, okay, are you willing to pay for this? And if not, then you could probably ask, why are you not willing to pay? Mm-hmm. So that direct feedback would be helpful. Um, for some people who are starting startups, I realize they're coming from corporate. Like you have this huge budget to, you know, just do, um, to just like, yeah, throw around. But I think if you can, you know, get, not subsidize your, your costs at the beginning, if you can at least figure out the value, you can do that um, right away. Why not? Um, so yeah, I'd say the difference between what I've learned for these startups is that if you can get payments, if you're bootstrapping, I would say try to get push for payments right away. If you're if you have a lot of funding, usually investors care about growth. So if you can subsidize that, then that's fine. But as long as you're growing really fast, then investors won't care too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least get some payments early on if you can, because then you'll actually learn from your users or you, people you're selling it to that it's valuable or not. Yeah. Re- revenue as proof of concept. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the lessons you always want to learn real early. <laughs> as early as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, then I, I'm like curious to know, do you have like a go-to-market strategy that you're working on? Are you, any any shout outs to growth marketers? What's uh, what's the deal there? Right. So uh, for this particular uh, startup, the the current like we don't have it figured out most of it, but the the initial plan is to uh, have initial users. So we're starting to email them, see if they're interested for the value prop we have. And the next step we're thinking of go to market is actually create an online event. Um, for anybody who's in Canada, there's this, this, um, event called one of a kind show. And last year they were not able to do a physical event. So they ended up doing an online event, but it was just a website that you can just go through and, and 
buy something on, on, on online. So it's just mm-hmm. like another, I guess, e-commerce store. And what we're trying to propose to these people is like, we're going to create an event that is a live video. So we'll have different rooms that you can be in it. Instead of you standing for hours at these events, you can just be at your home selling these items that you made or even make them on a spot while people kind of go into each room and talk to you while you make stuff. Uh, so we're going to message as much people as we can from these events or the one of a kind show um, and see if they'll be interested in that alternative. So that's like our go-to market and see if they'd like to try that out. Um, and we'll have a lot of learning at the same time of how to do this in a, in a software that I make. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's it's like be a- having, it's like each person has their own shopping channel that you can tune into and then check out their products, see how they make them. Like that's, yeah, I dig that. Yeah. So for any growth marketing too, like I, I'd say we're going to have, we're going to hire a few mar- growth marketing people later um, once we have enough funding to go into because like right now there's just two people doing this learning how to do live stream and selling which is a huge market uh, anticipation of a lot of people um yeah fascinating i and then i i have one question that's more the uh the the na- naive uh coder in me just i don't code very i don't know many programming languages what mm-hmm. what's your first step to writing your first line of code what how do you start? Um, it's a good question. So I would, well, when I was in school, we started with Java, but I would say you learn how to use Python or JavaScript. I would actually recommend a company called Repelit, R-E-P-L dot I-T dot com. Um, they're a company that can, in the browser, you can learn how to like, program something we don't need any uh, code editors like you just like on the browser you can learn how to code uh so use python and learn some logic i'd say that would be very helpful that's the first step i would probably do so because that most of the programming languages would be easy enough once you understand logic yeah very cool Good to know. I, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta get in gear. Yeah, I'd say also like have a project in mind. Usually, when you go through these books, um, they they teach you the basics. But I'd say if dive into some project that you're interested in and struggle. So struggling is important out of this. Uh, you have to be very patient when creating some of the programming uh, software. Just like hitting the treadmill. You just got to suffer through it until you're good at it. Yeah. Can't, you can't run away oh, from it. Can't. <laughs> Great pun. Great pun. On that note, Charles, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Uh, you're an incredibly impressive individual. I'm not intimidated at all. Um, and uh, I, uh, you're, you're looking forward to seeing how you, you build up Bougie. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm glad I'm here. I appreciate that you invited me. And to Atlas Coffee Club, again, great product. Yeah, check them out. This is the How Did You Get Here podcast. The first podcast solely about the guest and how they got to where they are now.